Welcome to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until 11 o'clock this morning. We have an open line until 9. Then uh, Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the News Gazette, will be here at uh, 10 o'clock. We'll have an open line for both hours uh, tomorrow. Julia Reitz will be here on Friday. Then uh, next week, uh, Dr. Matthew Gibb from Carl will be on uh, Tuesday. And former University of Illinois President Stan Eikenberry will be here in the studio next Wednesday. So we have a good uh, lineup uh, of guests uh, coming up and plenty of times for you to call on an open line as well. Big story from uh, broke uh, late uh, yesterday that charges against Brent Christensen are upgraded. More serious charges have been added. And uh, more and more stories from uh, Las Vegas as... Things evolve, and people come away with uh, more detail on what happened before and after, but uh, still no motive that anybody can uh, mention. Uh, Trying to find out, he sent his girlfriend away when he planned this attack, according to her sisters. He also installed those cameras in and out of the hotel room ahead of this premeditated attack. See if you have anything uh, else to say, some other things you may have learned about what happened in uh, Las Vegas. Tom Kasich writes that divisions remain in Illinois' 13th district on how to respond to gun crimes. Kasich also writes that the GOP is upset with Governor Rauner, but unable to, unlikely to replace him. North Korea promises to bring nuclear clouds to Japan and calls the Japanese Prime Minister a headless chicken. Review Board appointees get a unanimous okay from the Champaign City Council. The CU Mass Transit District has purchased two hydrogen buses made possible by a $1.45 million federal grant. And a letter writer to the News Gazette says the anti-chief views are not the core issue. He says the problem is that the university capitulates to narrow special interest groups of the broader U of I community. And last night, the uh, Yankees uh, won the American League wildcard game over the Twins 8-4. to I don't know if you saw that game or not, but it was, <laughs> it was wild at the beginning. The Yankees uh, won this game 8-4 to over the Minnesota Twins uh, in Yankee Stadium. Things didn't start off well for the Yankees, though, and their starter, their ace pitcher, Luis Severino, gave up three runs in the first inning, two of them home runs, uh, 
and they yanked him out of the game after getting just one out in the first inning. But uh, Didi Gregoriev had tied it up in the bottom of the first with a three-run home run, and then the Yankee bullpen held the Twins to just one more run while the uh, New York added another five. The Yankees will now play the Cleveland Indians in the best-of-five AL Division Series. So what else is going on with you? Maybe uh, some of those headline uh, stories uh, or something that you want to uh, talk about, but uh, maybe not. Maybe you have something entirely different. Yesterday we got into a long, long conversation about uh, guns and gun control. It seems like this is the way things uh, happen, that uh, we have a mass shooting, and the first thing is that uh, people are sorrowful, and uh, they say prayers uh, for the those that were uh, killed and for their families. And then immediately a conversation about gun control starts. So, and then uh, nothing happens. At least that's been the, the pattern in, in the past. Red to 3569397. The Castle Heating and the Cooling text line is 3515357. We'll take our first break right here. Coming right back. See who's going to be first today. And we go uh, to the phones here on Penny and Alan is first up. Hello Alan. Well, Jim, you mentioned the uh Yankees Twins game. Uh First reliever for the Yankees is Chad Green. He's from Effingham. From uh, where? Effingham. Oh, he is. Yep. He's been with him off and on for the last two or three years and uh, played high school there, and I think he still <clears throat> makes his home in the wintertime. He comes back, but he's been throwing real well for the Yankees this year. He sure has. Uh, I didn't know he was from Effingham, but I I know that he's had a good year, and he had a, certainly had a good night last night. Yeah. I missed it because I had a basketball game, but I found out to a friend of mine he'd already been in the game was out by the time I got home. Yeah, this was a strange game. I I can't remember the last time I have seen a game unless unless somebody got hurt. The, uh, I've never seen a starter leave the game, especially a big game like this, with only one out in the first inning. Well, I listened to the... Uh... ESPN uh, had the Yankees announcer on there, and he says that would happen if he got off the bad start. He says the Yankees bullpen is so deep, they'll even bring him in the first inning, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, yeah, because they hit two home runs off of him, and they were up three to nothing before the game even got started. Well, I, I would have done the same thing if I got that good a bullpen. Oh, no, yeah, there's no use, uh, no waiting, because there is tomorrow, as they like to yeah. say, on those uh, – that was game seven for them. You know, this I, I enjoy the uh, the wild card uh, thing. It keeps the races very interesting uh, right up until the last day of the, of the regular season. But, boy, this this one game, the New York Yankees right now are in as good a position as anybody that won the division and won all those games. You know, the yep. Cubs and the Nationals and the Dodgers, they're right with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to bet on it this year. Although Cleveland looks pretty good to me. 
Yeah, Cleveland is good. And, uh, I, I don't know. I think the Cubs are pretty good too. But and the Nationals are. Well, that's uh, if you can get in as a as a wild card, you're uh, you're in good shape. Well, Cardinals did it in 2006 like that. Yep, got to go. Uh, got to take some more calls here, Alan. Uh, thank you. Eric is next. Hello, Eric. Jim, thanks so much. And talk about something that's a little bit more taboo, and I'm not a sports guy, so uh, okay. it kind of deals with yesterday. But the real issue there is mental wellness, and that's a topic that is kind of taboo. There's no voting block. There's no constituency. There's no spokesperson. It's the elephant in the room. About half to two-thirds of the people running around outside are on some kind of medication of some kind that's a mood mood effector. And it's not unlike death with dignity, which is another topic that's right there that nobody wants to talk about. You know, Oregon's got legalized suicide, and around here we've got hospice which is end-of-life dignity, and it's it's a step in the right direction. But you never hear anybody talking about this stuff. No, you don't. I've uh, had uh, some conversations on the air about uh, death with dignity and uh, those kinds of things, and I really uh, wish there was more talk about that because I all you have to do is, is look around you when you go through some of the, uh, the hospitals or the uh, nursing homes and and uh, or even people uh, still at home that uh, are having uh, no life. They uh, their lifestyle is completely uh, gone. It's uh, they're not living a life. They're just existing. And I, I can't help but think that a little bit of the fault is our environment. Not only the political environment. I mean, look outside. More than a third of the people, at least, won't even recognize the current administration as legitimate. And they're carrying a chip on their shoulder, and they're just dying to get in a verbal spat with anybody that calls them out on it. And then it goes immediately to threat of violence and violence and destruction of property. And uh, Were you talking about the mental illness because of the, uh, the shooting? Basically, that's what brings it to mind. The left always wants to go right to gun control. And, you know, somebody started citing statistics about, well, incidents of suicide is whatever greater. Well, those were the wrong statistics. The statistics really to cite are since the, the, the amount of guns is about half again or more in the last 15 years or doubled. And the amount of gun deaths has gone down. Yeah, I heard our Rush talking about that There yesterday. you go. And the, the real issue there is how many issues are prevented. I'm a concealed carrier. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And uh, I carry at work open carry, and you don't see many guys doing that because only property owners have the right to do that, and a lot of them are, it's politically incorrect. And... Uh, I tell people, that sidearm I have was good enough for World War II. It's good enough for me. Okay, thank you, Eric. Nice to talk to you. Bill is next. Hello, Bill. Yes, Jim, this is Bill Worth. Yes, sir. I live 
country up north of in the area of Potomac, Illinois. And I live out there where the hoot owls chase the chickens. The only person that's going to protect me out there is me. And I sure hope folks won't try to take away what protection I've got. I'm strictly a target shooter. As a matter of fact, I'm over at the gun club at Cayuga right now. And uh, I have no intent ever to hurt someone with a firearm unless they're breaking into my house. Now, I did have an incident out there one time where I was real glad I was armed. I ran the people off. I didn't hurt anybody, but I told them to get out on the road and get on away from there and leave us alone. And had I not had that, chances are my wife and I would be dead right now. Um... I would hope that people, before they say, well, you can't have a firearm with several shells in it, take them away from me. I sure hope they don't go that far because I, the only protection I've got is that deputy sheriff used to live in our neighborhood, gone now. And the only thing that the sheriff's going to be able to do is clean up the mess after somebody comes in there and kills us unless I can protect them. So I would hope that people would consider that before they just say, Take all the firearms away from everybody. Yeah, I, 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 they're not going to do that. That that's uh, the goal of uh, some people, but that's that's never going to go. Just think what a what a uh, monumental job that would be. And and let's say they were successful. Let's say all then uh, right away uh, people would uh, would have uh, guns again, uh, gotten illegally uh, someplace. That's because that's uh, that's the way the. Uh, the uh, criminals do now, you know. They say, "Well, if they just if we had some kind of gun control, but uh, they'll find guns." There's no question about that. Listen, uh, thanks for your call, sir. Let's go to a uh, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. What's going on, Jeff? Well, this morning there was a news article about kiosks at McDonald's, and the comment was made that that not creating new jobs. That's absolutely correct. It's not creating new jobs. But, you know, small businesses and low profit per transaction industries have been saying that the increase in minimum wage is going to force them to find ways to cut uh, jobs. Uh, We've been hearing this since the first discussion of $15 an hour minimum wage. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. What is a, I don't know what a kiosk is. Uh, well, you don't go, they don't have a counter person. Uh, you go up to an automated system, place your order, and then pick up your food. Oh. There, huh. You know, it, like, for instance, McDonald's, uh, profit per transaction is very minimal because of the competition. So in order, and the first item that you see a deep impact on the bottom line is payroll. Mm, sure. So you're going to cut jobs when the profit starts to uh, to uh, dwindle. Uh, that uh, that certainly has been the argument even before uh, any of these uh, uh, minimum wage uh, increases uh, were were made. Uh, that uh, they said we can't afford to do that. Exactly, exactly. So nobody should be surprised that this isn't job growth. This is this is uh, a direct impact of the minimum wage increase. I appreciate your call, sir. Right. Thank you, Jeff. Bye. One more call before our next break, and this is uh, Ben. Hello, Ben. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Hi, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm calling because I heard. Uh, I believe his name was Eric. His remarks on his remarks on um, the need for increased mental health uh, treatments as a response to um, 
mass shootings and, and suicides and, and other uh, firearm-related violence that we have in this country. Uh, I absolutely agree with Eric that that's an important thing. Uh, where I think I disagree with him is that he went off into some tangent where he, he attacked uh, some mythical left that is uh, always moving towards violence and, uh, and, and confiscating property as a response to gun violence. Um, I don't think that's an accurate characterization at all. In fact, I think if, if Eric is truly interested um, in expanding access to mental health, uh, he would find his interests are better represented uh, by folks on the left. Uh, folks on the right, such as uh, our local representatives, Rodney Davis, uh, Congressman Shimkus, uh, voted this year, as they voted in each of the past several years, to uh, cut access to mental health, to cut funding to mental health. Uh, their health care plan would uh, severely limit and restrict access to mental health. It would make mental health access that has been expanded under the Affordable Care Act. It would diminish that access. Um, you know, when I called Congressman Davis's office, I asked uh, what his if, if his uh, if he had taken any action towards uh, reducing gun violence in our country. I was not asking about gun control. I was asking about any action he's taken. I think expanded access to mental health care would be a good step to limit gun violence. His staff could respond with nothing. Uh, Congressman Davis has done nothing to help us reduce gun violence in our communities. Uh, I don't think he plans to do anything. I certainly don't think that any of our Republican representatives plan to do anything to expand mental health access in this country. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you, Ben. Very good points. I appreciate your call. Callers, uh, please hold on. We're coming uh, right back, but we need to take a break here before we get too far behind. Go ahead, Ed. This is an open line on a Penny this uh, first hour, and then it'll be uh, Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the News Gazette during hour number two. Brian is next. Good morning, Brian. Yes, Jim. Uh, you notice they didn't bring up gun control after uh, that black man was charged with uh, the church shooting in Antioch, Tennessee. Uh, they didn't treat it in the same way. And I don't know if that man was even charged with a hate crime. And they didn't go out and slime all the Muslim immigrants that came here from other countries that were radicalized, uh, had radicalized Muslims uh, in it, or their cultures. And I don't remember the guy's name even. Do you, Jim? No, I don't. I don't even remember the incident you're talking about. Well, uh, you know, about two weeks ago, a guy... uh, uh, went into a church in Antioch, Tennessee, and uh, shot up. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, we all remember who Dylan Roof is, but uh, this happened one day, and the next day it was gone, and nobody talks about it anymore. But, uh, you know, when Dylan Roof did what he did in Charleston, I mean, we had to tear down the Confederate flag and call him a white supremacist and smear a whole you know, area of the country. What do you think's the reason for this? Political correctness, Jim. You know, it's just uh, there's a... The media has a different agenda when it comes to different things. That's why they don't bring up uh, mass shootings in Chicago. They don't even touch it. I don't know that they have mass shootings in Chicago. Well, I mean, just, you know, mass... (laughs) A lot of killings. Well, they have a lot oh, of they, yeah, they have a lot of shooting and a lot of homicides, but not. Uh, I don't remember any that uh, where it was fifty at a time. You know, Jim, if if the guy didn't use uh, 
guns, he could have maybe lobbed some kind of a bomb bombs down in there. You know, if a man wants to kill somebody, he's going to do it, and regardless of what laws you make. Criminals are criminals, and they don't obey laws. Very true. Uh, thank you, Brian. The 931, uh, Brian Barnard has the news headlines. We'll come back with more open line on Penny after that. This is Penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin, and this is an open line until 10 o'clock this morning. Then uh, we'll have a conversation with uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette. Had a good uh, run on the calls there in that first half hour. Let's see, four, five, six, seven. And uh, phone lines are now open for you. Three five six nine three nine seven. Text me at three five one five three five seven. I know how much you like polls, so I never miss the opportunity to bring you results of another poll. We all know that polls are completely accurate, that they always predict who the President of the United States is going to be, and we just don't want to miss an opportunity to give you results of polls. Here's one. Americans' opinion of the press hasn't been very good in recent years, but a new poll has found that's changing, with trust in the news media on the rise. In the Reuters poll out yesterday, 48% said they had a great deal or some confidence in the press, up from 39% last November, while 45% said they had hardly any confidence in them, down from 51%. Looking at it by party, having a great deal or some confidence in the media rose by 11 percentage points among the Democrats, compared to an increase of 3 percentage points among the Republicans. Those results come in an atmosphere in which President Trump frequently bashes the press. The poll also asked about confidence in other U.S. institutions as well and found that Americans had the highest level of confidence in the military, law enforcement, and academia while confidence fell in the executive branch, meaning the presidency and the Congress. So I know you wouldn't be able to uh, go to sleep tonight without knowing the results of that poll. Bill says a lot of mental health institutions disappeared after the ACLU sued over mental health rights. They certainly aren't a right-wing group. We're talking about mental health uh, during the uh, first half hour of the program. And uh, yesterday uh, late, uh, we got the word that uh, Brent uh, Christensen has uh, been charged with a kidnapping resulting in death in the case of the missing University of Illinois scholar Ying-Ying Zhang. Disappeared now on uh, June the 9th. Been a long time. And a grand jury returned the, what's called the superseding indictment, and also charges uh, Christensen with two counts of making false statements to the FBI agents in June. If Christensen is convicted on the charge of kidnapping resulting in death, 
he faces the death penalty or mandatory life in prison. However, the decision is to whether the government seeks the death penalty rests solely with the U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. This indictment replaces the original one that charged him with kidnapping. The new one alleges, among other things, that Christensen intentionally killed Zhang and that he intentionally inflicted serious bodily injury that resulted in her death. The indictment also alleges that Christensen intentionally and specifically engaged in an act of violence, knowing that the act created a grave risk of death. Authorities had only said prior to this, to this indictment, that Jong is presumed dead. An arraignment date on the new indictment has not yet been set, but the pending date is February 27th of next year. So this has been a long time, and it's likely to be much, much uh, longer. And what's the question that most people uh, ask now? Why is it they can't find the body? Doesn't Christensen know? Isn't he the one that... uh, According to the accusation, uh, killed her? Wouldn't he know where the what happened to the body? Why haven't they been able to get that information from him? Maybe he's holding out on that, hoping that uh, that will be, uh, I don't know, a bargaining tool or something. I don't want to get into the legalese. I'll ask uh, Jim Dye about that when he comes in. He follows that uh, very, very uh, closely. U.S. Attorney uh, Office uh, confirmed about a month ago that it would seek uh, what's called the superseding indictment against uh, this uh, former um, University of Illinois physics uh, graduate uh, student. And uh, that uh, prompted the the lawyers, uh, Tom Bruno and his sons Evan and uh, Tony, to ask the U.S. District Court Judge Colin Bruce to let them off the case, which he did, after confirming that uh, Christensen and his family lacked the means to pay the Brunos for a death penalty defense. The new indictment alleges that Christensen allegedly kidnapped and held Mrs. Jong and Ms. Jong, and that he used a cell phone and a Saturn Astra motor vehicle, both instruments of interstate commerce, to commit the offense. It adds that the allegation that the kidnapping resulted in her death. The FBI has remained tight-lipped as to what happened to her, and no body has been recovered. 943, uh, what happened to my calls? Uh, We still have some time for an open line up until uh, 10 o'clock, but we need to take a break right here. Mr. Bond, we'll come right back. Bill O'Reilly has uh, made more money with those books than he uh, did with his uh, television show. Killing uh, Lincoln, killing uh, Kennedy, uh, killing uh, England is the new one. 
well, this uh, Las Vegas uh, shooter and all this uh, premeditated activity is is interesting, if uh, nothing else, because uh, the the girlfriend, uh, she's a Filipino-born girlfriend, uh, was sent uh, by him on a trip, according to the woman's uh, sisters, uh, on Wednesday. And uh, he did that so as not to disrupt his plans. At least that's what the sisters uh, think. Mary Lou Danley's uh, sisters uh, told a local Australian television station that the gunman Stephen Paddock sent Danley to the Philippines before the shooting spree and denied that Danley had any prior knowledge of the attack. She was sent away. She was away so she would not be there to interfere with what he's uh, planning. One of the unidentified women said Danley didn't even know she was headed overseas until Paddock bought a ticket. She didn't even know she was going to the Philippines until Steve said, Mary Lou, I have found you a cheap ticket to the Philippines. Federal authorities met Danley at the Los Angeles International Airport late yesterday, and she came back and said they would take a harder look at what she might have known leading up to the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. No one can put the puzzles together, Danley's sister said. No one except Mary Lou. Because Steve is not here to talk anymore, only Mary Lou can maybe help. In the hours after Paddock opened fire, a dragnet was launched for Danley, and she was considered a, quote, person of interest. But officials soon concluded she did not play a direct role in the attack and was out of the country when it occurred. They removed the person of interest designation, though. Uh, Authorities said they still wanted to talk to her. As the investigation progressed, Danley was once again considered a person of interest, leading many to wonder what she may have known about Paddock's deadly intentions and when she may have known it. Danley probably was even more shocked than us because she is closer to him than us, said one of Danley's sisters. To be able to find out the person you love and live can do such live with can do such a thing, and you thought you knew the person yourself. Danley was in the Philippines on Sunday when Paddock opened fire from his hotel room. As an Australian citizen, Danley was born in the Philippines and lived in Nevada with Paddock. Days before the shooting, Paddock had transferred $100,000 to the Philippines. The official that was looking into that told the Associated Press that uh, he was being briefed by law enforcement but not authorized to speak publicly because of the continuing investigation. Investigators were still trying to trace the money and looking into at least a dozen financial reports over the past several weeks that indicated Paddock gambled more than $10,000 a day. Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo said yesterday that he was absolutely confident that authorities would determine what set off Paddock. He added authorities anticipate some information from Danley shortly. 
Reno Gazette Journal reported that Danley had worked as a high-limit hostess at the Atlantis Casino Resort and Spa in Reno. Resort told the paper that Danley left her job years ago, had no information on the gunman or his girlfriend. Port said that Danley was married to Gary Danley in Las Vegas in 1990. They divorced in 2015. So it gets... uh, more and more uh, interesting as they go along. And then you heard about the cameras, right? He he had cameras in and out of the hotel room ahead of the attack. He uh, installed cameras inside and outside of the hotel room, and he had one camera in the uh, peephole so he could uh, look outside and uh, see who was at the door. He had another uh, camera on the... Uh, cart uh, just outside his door where he had uh, evidently been served uh, a meal. Law enforcement continued to seek a motive in the shooting and investigating the crime scene at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino where he shot at this crowd of about 22,000 people. The sheriff said the event was premeditated, obviously premeditated, the fact that he had the type of weaponry, the amount of weaponry in that room, it was pre-planned extensively, and I'm pretty sure he evaluated everything that he did and his action, which is troublesome. When the camera was placed inside the door's people, as I mentioned, and also on a service cart out in the hallway. He did a lot of planning. Talk about premeditation. Right to three five six nine three nine seven. The text line is three five one five three five seven. Another uh, few minutes of open line up until uh, ten. Then Jim Die from the news uh, uh, News Gazette will be in. He's the opinions editor down there. Writes the editorials and writes uh, columns uh, for the paper as well. And we'll talk about some of the things that he has written about and. Uh, some of the items that are in the news. Let me talk to you about Woods Basement Systems. Are all basement or crawl space wall cracks a problem? Talking about the foundation walls of your home. Woods knows all about leaking basement wall cracks. But did you know that crawl space wall cracks will let water leak into your crawl space? Most of that water gets trapped on top of this uh, vapor barrier, and it evaporates up and into your home. You know what happens then? Mold. There's that uh, that word that nobody likes. Mold loves this situation that I just described, and your air conditioning will be running so much longer and so much harder, so that's double trouble. Get your free estimate from Woods and fix those basement and crawl space cracks once and for all. And over the years that Woods has acquired several awards for their basement finishing projects and their crawl space encapsulation system, but they are the proudest of their Better Business Bureau Torch Awards. They've earned the Better Business uh, 
Bureau Torch Award for Marketplace Ethics five times so you know you can trust them with your home. Remember, Woods Estimates don't cost you anything. But how much is it costing you to not fix the problem? You never know until something happens, right? Call Woods Basement Systems for your free estimate today. Here's their number, 888-935-4333, or go online to woodsbasementsystems.com. That's 888-935-4333 for Woods Basement Systems. Dot com. Either one of those will get you there, and uh, remember, the estimates are always free. It is 9.55, 72 degrees at the Radio Center. We take a quick break here. We're coming right back. And back to the phones we go for uh, Karen. Hi, Karen. Good morning, Jim. Um, I just wanted to respond to some of the calls you're getting this morning. Um, the person who was talking about, a couple people talking about mental health access. Are you there? Yes, I'm okay, listening good. to you. <laughs> um, anyway, this guy was extremely wealthy, so there's no indication that he did not have access to mental health care should he have chosen to seek that out. You know, I would, I would presume he, he could afford mental health care. Um, I don't think anybody has uh, said anything about him uh, being mentally ill uh, yet. They're still investigating it, but I don't think they've uh, charged him with that or said that was uh, was the problem. They're trying to figure out why he did it. Right, but uh, relatives of the woman that he lived with said that he they were very uncomfortable with him and that he seemed unstable. Well, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, always in hindsight, people say stuff like that. But, exactly, um, okay. You know, some of the callers were saying, oh, the problem is no access to mental health. And somebody said, oh, I called Rodney Davis about having mental health care for people. Well, you know, really. Um, I think if somebody is suicidal and they're willing to die, there's, they're not going to follow the law, any laws that would be passed or something like that. I think one of the problems, as I think about it, is the layout of the concert venue um, and the canyon of hotels all around it. Um, you know, and I mean, obviously, in hindsight, it's easy to see that that's a risk that, you know, um, no, it's, the a, it's a perfect, uh, perfect uh, setup for yeah. those kinds of things. Now, they're they're having another uh, country concert. I think it's a uh, Friday of uh, over at Edinburgh, which is uh, Edinburgh, or Edinburgh, uh, Illinois. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's Luke, Luke uh, Bryant, yeah. it's uh Right out in the middle of a field, right? A cornfield. There, there isn't a building anyplace, right? Right. Unless it's a tall corn stalk or something, but uh, that would uh, seem to be uh, be a, no place for a, a sniper type attack there. That doesn't mean that they don't need security, which they're they're doing in in great numbers, I guess. But uh, what quite a contrast between that and the Vegas. Listen, I'm glad you called, Karen, but I'm about uh, 10 seconds from hitting the news. (laughs) Okay. Call me me again. Thank you. Indeed, the news coming up at the top of the hour. After that, it'll be uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. Welcome back to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts, hour number two. Jim Dye, who is the opinions editor of the News Gazette, is here to 
spend the next hour, and uh, he comes by every a couple of weeks. We talk about some of the things that he has written about, talk about uh, stories that are in the news, and uh, most anything else. We, we can talk books or basketball or whatever. You've been doing a little uh, basketball uh, writing here lately. I like this headline, to attract hoops talent, dirty money must be washed. Well, this is... This is the crummiest uh, bunch of people in, involved in this, and, and this is, these are just the ones they've caught so far. Yeah, you're referring to last week's uh, mm-hmm. bombshell uh, mm-hmm. federal indictments involving college basketball, and uh, the, you know the hundred pages of grand jury indictments. And have you read that whole thing? <clears throat> I have gone about two thirds through it. I've still got one more to go, uh, but the hundred pages of uh, indictments and uh, FBI agent affidavits outlining outlining the entire plan are a treasure trove of really interesting stuff. I we've printed a, um, I think on the website we we printed the the uh, computer link to the indictment and for those fans who are really wanted to delve deeply into this wallow in it it is very interesting reading and it, it tell you exactly how the whole investigation began and how it grew from one single financial advisor who got in trouble with the feds um, and who has since pleaded guilty I think within the last two weeks uh, he said to them I'm small fish let me get you some big fish so you'll take it easy on on me as a small fish and they took him up on his offer and it's going to generate i think maybe the biggest scandal in the history of college basketball well the uh, four assistants are going to be uh following that same path there won't be any doubt about that will i there? find it hard to believe that any of these guys who are caught dead to rights are not going to uh, squeal as loudly and as uh, long as they possibly can because this is strictly self-preservation now it's they're talking about prison and uh, nobody wants to go to prison. At least no white-collar criminal I ever met wants to go to prison. And they will, uh, or is willing to go to prison. And uh, they will definitely do whatever they can to save themselves. And, of course, that raises some questions here in Illinois because one of the assistants who was involved was uh, Brad Underwood's assistant for one year at Oklahoma State. So did he have much, you know, what happened there? Who knows? One can speculate endlessly, but I think we'll be hearing more about it, a lot more about it. Well, in the last uh, few days, the uh, word is that the, the last uh, two recruits that uh, Illinois was uh, uh, hoping to get and felt very good about it have uh, both uh, chosen other schools, and uh, some people have uh, blamed the decision on the fact that uh, they, too, think something uh, might happen. Well, you know, the other rival recruiters are going to use that. Uh, they're going to play that uh, negative recruiting card and say, you don't know what's going to happen at Illinois, but at the same time, you don't know what's going to happen at Michigan. Why Why would uh, Michigan, which completes for the top talent in the country, or other schools that haven't been mentioned, like North Carolina and Duke and uh, UCLA, they're all competing for the same players, and the same players are all apparently on the open market for the shoe companies uh, uh, and the recruiters. So, uh, you know, I think this thing is going to spread all over the place. But in the meantime, that's a good card to play against Illinois. And it may or may not be. Uh, an accurate uh, assertion to say that they they didn't come here because because of that. There is so much speculation and so much rumor mongering going on right now that um, I wouldn't put much stock in it until I saw it. I, well, the chancellor the... comes out with a statement. Uh, this is a paraphrase, but uh, Illinois is not involved. Uh, 
I don't know why he would uh, say that because we don't know yet. Well, unless he was, the, unless he's one of the guys who was deep into the uh, belly of the beast and the conspiracy, which I don't think was the case. He doesn't really have any idea what's going on. He's just relying on what somebody told him, which at this point would be since everybody's going to be going into denial mode. <laughs> I wouldn't rely too much on it. I, I thought too that he he got himself a little in over his head on that. I thought. He would have been better off saying it's our hope and expectation uh, that we're not involved. But, you know, what does he know? He doesn't know anything about it. He's just saying something at the moment that may or may not be and, able to uh, Well, none of us uh, do, really. Right. We're all Absolutely. kind of speculating, and uh, depending on uh, what we've uh, read uh, so far in the in the indictment, uh, boy, this was a biggie. I mean, uh, uh, 10 people arrested, uh, four of them assistant uh, coaches. The head, and, uh, the head of... Adidas's uh, collegiate sports program. I mean, the guy, yeah, the, the top glo- guy, the global uh, marketing uh, guy. He is the guy. How many bodies does he know? Uh, the location of their burial, lots. And if he squeals, it's going to be interesting, very interesting. I don't think you really need to speculate right now about what we don't know. There's so much that we do know that you can speculate for weeks at a time, <laughs> for weeks about that alone. Yeah, well, and it looks like uh, Rick Patino is uh, right in the, in the middle of it. I uh, he says he's going to be vindicated. I saw it. Yeah, uh, the story was uh, a couple days ago. Rick Patino has his house up for sale, and uh, he's uh, laying low, but he feels he'll be vindicated. He'll be vindicated. That's right. Well, I don't know if there's any reason for him to hang around Louisville now. Uh, you know, the president of Louisville didn't have to uh, think very long about what he was going to do after he read the indictment. And I think there are some hints in that indictment that don't, do not bode well for Patino. Well, they don't uh, mention the word Patino, but they call a Coach Two. I coach believe Two, is. and there's there are two coaches from Louisville involved: an assistant and another unidentified coach. Which, uh, how as I read the indictment, would indicate may well be Patino. That's a little unfair to speculate because you don't know right now. But there are two Louisville coaches involved, not indicted, but are cited in the affidavit. And the main <laughs> thing, the, the main thing to re- remember here is that uh, we've all heard about the NCAA investigations and uh, what they're doing and who's doing uh, what and how they're uh, proceeding and so on. And but the fact remains that uh, this is a different ball game. Uh, the NCAA uh, can't wiretap. They can't subpoena people. They can't do anything really. They can just kind of gloss over things but now we got the feds we've got the uh we got the feds in uh, new york those are the the tough guys and right. the F- fbi and the southern district of new york that's the famous place where they dig up corruption and they would not uh they would not come out with a, the big uh, press conference and uh and and arrest people right on the spot. I don't know if they walked right into their office and got them or what. One guy was on a recruiting trip when the feds walked up to him and said you're under arrest. Yeah, and he said, but I got a game to go to. <laughs> and they said, sorry. Yeah, hold on just a minute. I'm uh, talking to the coach. <laughs> you can't arrest me. Coach says you can't arrest me. Well, you know, we're more powerful than the head coach. Well, how many uh, years I, I, have we all known that uh, something is uh, going on? And there have been several instances where people have indeed been uh, caught and money's uh, been involved. And But uh, we... We don't know how many people are dirty. That's right. Well, you know, this is one thing everybody speculates about. Well, why didn't we get this player? Well, somebody outbid us at the last moment. And we, of course, are honest, and everybody else is is, uh, not honest. Uh, So these rumors have been flying around. Now, who knows about any of this stuff? But we know it is happening, at least to some degree, 
on a rather major scale. And uh, just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it isn't happening. But at the same time, you need proof. And, of course, the feds are in the business of getting proof. So if you have any uh, questions or uh, comments about the uh, the basketball uh, scandal, I guess it's uh, fair to call it that, uh, give us a call at uh, 356-9397. And uh, we don't know very much, but uh, Jim knows uh, a lot because he's been uh, delving into the indictment, which is how many pages? Well, the indictment, there are three indictments and uh, accompanied by affidavits, and they're more than 100 pages. And single-spaced in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of areas <laughs> so there's a lot of information i mean the one thing about dealing with the feds as opposed to the uh, <clears throat> state uh, authorities is that they uh, the federal rules are different and when they they uh, issue indictments or they uh, explain the reasons for their arrest they explain in detail with affidavits uh, from the investigators explaining what happened from the first day to the last day so it's all laid right out I mean, it'll overwhelm you. Uh, well, yeah, with detail. they'll they'll tell you what a guy said on a wiretap. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it it's you know, use, I'm used to dealing with uh, state charges, which are their state situation, state court, which are usually very vague. But the the feds, they they uh, they take the other approach with reporters. They give you more information than you could possibly use. Any questions or comments uh, for Jim Dye at three five six nine three nine seven, or you can uh, text us at three five one five three five seven. We'll take a break here. We're coming uh, right back, and we'll uh, talk more with uh, Jim. We've got a lot of uh, other uh, topics, but this uh, is a, a biggie, and uh, Jim uh, wrote a, uh, a long uh, column uh, today that I just uh, mentioned, Adidas efforts uh, a matter of corporate self-interest, and uh, the money must be washed. Uh, don't miss that. It's on the, the local section of the paper this morning, uh, the B section of the paper. Well, to take a break, we're coming right back. The now famous uh, hat trick where he picked up the Illinois hat and then put it down and then picked up and put on the Kansas hat. Yes, that was and, him. Yeah, and it seemed like he got he played some games his freshman year and then got hurt. And then either he dropped out of school later or flunked out or something. And, and last I heard that he was in the, in the minor leagues of the NBA or I don't know if he's still playing or not. Well, well, you want to discuss Cliff Alexander? Or did you have another point that? Well, um, it seemed like there there was a rumor or an urban myth uh, later about that whole thing that his uh, mother had turned up out in Lawrence with a real uh, cushy job. Yeah, there were there were all kinds of issues that re- were raised around the Alexander uh, recruitment. One of which did involve his mother and some some kind of improprieties that never really amounted to a hill of beans. Except, I think Cliff was held out of uh, participation on the team for a while when he was a freshman. That's an example I think is kind of interesting because everybody wanted Cliff Alexander, who's going to be the greatest guy in the history of guys. And he went to uh, he went to Kansas and he showed some potential, but he never really got much playing time. And I think uh, he left the school. Didn't he leave after one year? Yeah, I think that's right. And he was so talented, some people thought, that he actually got a good shot in the NBA. And I think for a while he was somebody's like 12th or 13th man and uh, it never really worked out for him, and I suppose now he's still trying to play basketball, but or maybe in the D League or something like that. Just goes to show you, these guys, uh, everybody's taking a real, um, they're going out on the line for things that aren't guaranteed. There are no guarantees in recruitments. Well, and but you're right. Well, you're absolutely well, right about uh, the. Um, I mean, there was all kinds of talk around the around the Alexander recruitment. Yeah. 
And, and, and then one more quick thing. I remember, uh, I think it was a lady called in one time and, and said uh, they were talking about uh, the Kansas budget, that they could virtually pay anything uh, if they wanted a basketball coach. And uh, I remember Lauren Tate saying uh, there's a group of Kansas alumni, he said, that will come up with, with any dollar needed well, to, to, to hire any coach. It's a very strong group out there. Uh, you know, you have that everywhere. We have these uh, these uh, boosters. There's nothing that, illegal about that. No, 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 that's, that's okay. no. Uh, but, 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 but it's only lady, illegal if you get caught. <laughs> yeah. Well, the 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 lady who called in was something like was saying, "I can't uh, believe what they're paying so and so and so forth." And then Lauren Tate spoke up and said, "Oh, don't be shocked. Uh, there's an alumni group there that will." Will pay anything needed. Well, I mean, so what if you had an alumni uh, had a bunch of people that wanted to uh, donate money to the athletic association? They're they're trying to get money all the time. This is their money. Oh, sure. And uh, then and they are the ones that decide how much they pay the coach. Sure. Yeah. Well, so what's wrong with that? Well, well no. paying coaches is one thing, but paying players is another thing. But you're yeah. seeing here in this in this indictment that this is corporate money from the shoe company that's being right, right. funneled it's through. It's entirely uh, different thing. Yeah, it's an entirely different thing. But it's the same concept, which is if you if you want to recruit a player in an improper way, uh, that you have to uh, you know take uh, clan you have to engage in clandestine activities to disguise uh, the source of the money and who's who's actually giving the money. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Rick. And uh, George says, is it a crime for a parent or a family member to ask for money or benefits uh, for influence? And did I read uh, this correctly, that a disgruntled father was upset about his payments? Uh, You read that part right. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing gets into um, how it's done. I mean, if the family's going to receive money, well, there are tax consequences for that. Uh, The parent could be participating in a conspiracy to, say, engage in mail fraud or wire fraud or theft of honest services. If you look at this indictment, uh, there are a whole range of white-collar-style crimes being alleged that involve this grand issue of a conspiracy, which the parent would be a part a participant in. Now, are the parents and the players going to be prosecuted? I would think not, because basically they're the ones that are they're not the primary wrongdoers. These are, in many cases, poor people who are taking advantage of a market situation that involves bending some rules and some laws. They are not the primary wrongdoers. So those people will be used. They're at the bottom of the conspiracy. And what you do in a, in a case like this is you just work up the chain. You take the, the bottom of the guy, and he rats on the guy on, above him. And then the guy above him rats on the guy above him. And you just keep going up the chain until you get to the top guy who is, for now, the head honcho at Adidas. And and some of these coaches uh, that have been charged are going to be probably trying to g- give information about people more powerful than they are uh, to implicate in this thing. Now, in terms of conspiracy, all one ha- you don't even need to know your co-conspirator. All the group of conspirators need to do is engage in a single act, forwarding the or advancing the plot. So, in the case where the parent asks for the money, that would be sufficient. That would be sufficient in terms of moving that conspiracy one inch forward and therefore implicating the parent uh, in, uh, in a criminal activity. And the question uh, becomes, uh, did uh, this guy, uh, Gatto, I believe is his name, Jim from uh, the uh, global uh, guy for uh, Adidas, uh, did 
anybody in, that he reported to uh, know about this? Did they did they say, Jim? We're uh, you know we're really trailing the Nike and it's not getting any uh, better here. You got to do something. That's right. Get it done, and I don't want to hear about how you did it. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw what he was doing. And today's article talks about how he's got to come up with a hundred grand. And so what does he do? Well, he puts in a phony voucher in the uh, Adidas system mm-hmm. for some payment uh, for a hundred grand to this uh, organization that was run by his subordinate. It's a basketball recruiting organization, and uh, the Adidas computer said, "We don't know who this guy is," mm-hmm. and they kicked the thing out. So he didn't get his hundred grand, and so. By then, the parents getting agitated because he said, "You promised me my money, and and I haven't got the money." Well, they got a bureaucratic problem. At Adidas coming up with a hundred grand, and then the FBI agent help the undercover FBI agent hopefully says, "Well, I'll be happy to front you twenty five grand and make the dad happy, and uh, and, and you'll reimburse me later," which he to was. Continue that uh, story when they. When they got the money, it was nineteen thousand, not right. twenty five, because the uh, the bag man evidently kept uh, his commission. That's right. Yeah, what a he bunch gave of him twenty five grand, and he was supposed to give twenty five grand to the dad. The dad gets nineteen. So what happened to the fifty five hundred? What a bunch of crooks! <laughs> hey, all that money is floating along there, and everybody wants a piece of it. Let's go to uh, Bill and Rantoul. Hello, Bill. Good morning, gentlemen. Is it okay if I change the subject just for a second? Sure. Absolutely. Um. I've had tinnitus for about 20 years. So tinnitus, that's a, that's a hearing thing, right? Right, yeah. You hear ringing that's in your actually, ears? Yeah, my doctor, I told him I had tinnitus. He said, put a warm compress on it. I said, not tinnitus, tendonitis. He's like, oh, that wouldn't work then. Okay, you've anyway, had t- you have tendonitis or tinnitus? Tinnitus. Okay. Yeah, the hearing. Okay. Anyway, um, so suppressors, noise suppressors on firearms, something I'm really interested in. And 36 states I already permitted. You're required to buy a $200 federal permit. And then these states, you can get them. People mistakenly call them <clears throat> silencers. They think of 60s spy movies, and they're not that. What they basically are, the same principle, is a muffler for your shotgun, your rifle, or your pistol that cuts down the noise to the shooter and, and those around them. <clears throat> I know Illinois was, had a bill... It's supposed to be proposed. I don't know if it's on the floor yet or not to allow suppressors for firearms with this last incident. I think that's probably going to get hurt its chances. But Jim, do you know there was much support in the legislature for passing that law or was it going to go down party lines as normal? Well, I can't imagine the Chicago Democrats are very hostile to gun rights of any kind. Um, allowing a bill like that to go anywhere, and if it, it's uh, you know the, it, it has to pass the Democratic legislature, and I, I don't know if Governor Ronner would sign it. I doubt there's going to be any crying need uh, or or public pressure, especially in the current climate, to pass something like that. Now the legislature has passed concealed carry because they were mandated to, to do so by uh, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which struck down Illinois uh, gun law as unconstitutional. But I would not see anything like that happening certainly in the immediate future. Now, you're right, there is a difference between suppressors and silencers, and but or, most people don't understand that kind of thing, and it's an e- easy issue to uh, to demagogue, so I wouldn't think that would be uh, anything that's going to happen. 1031, uh, Brian Barnhart has the news headlines. Back with uh, Jim Dye after that. And uh, welcome back to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Jim Dye is my guest. 
It's uh, 1038, and it's 73 degrees here at the radio center. And let's go to the phones for JR in Champaign. Hello, JR. Hey, how you doing, guys? We're good. What's up, man? Hey, I, I want to talk about that shooter. Uh, I can't believe his family didn't. You know, he had he just must have snapped. He had this plan. He checked in what two or three days before he did this. Yes. I mean, I've never shot again. I don't think I ever want to. But I don't think these people should uh, allow to buy these high-powered uh, rifles. This guy had enough for an army. Well, you know that's the that's one of the that's the renewed debate we're going to have about uh, and that we're already having to some degree. I think there's it would be, a lot of people that have guns that are have mental illness. There it's are all around. And, you know the real people talk about this guy, and I think we're going to discover fairly soon that this fellow was obviously deeply troubled and know more about that. But I'm always amused by the initial reaction to these kind of events where the people that know him say, "Well, he seemed fine to me." Uh, this guy clearly wasn't fine, and uh, it's uh, really, I mean, I what his, can you say? I think it's, his girlfriend uh, didn't know. I mean, she lived with him and all the stuff they found in his house. Yeah. Well, you know, he sent her to the Philippines a week ago and sent some money with her. So Yeah, $100,000. Uh, now, why would she keep quiet if if, the, if she knew what he was going to do? Well, I mean, she said that uh, she didn't know where she was going until he handed her the ticket. Yeah. Well, I read some uh, stories this morning that indicate that he was um, very controlling and somewhat abusive to her. So she may have just been kind of uh, an appendage on his arm. But, no, it was a story about some of the people at the hotel where they patronized where it indicated that she did what she was told and, and he pretty much ruled her with an iron fist. So who knows? I mean, he was clearly separated from his family. I think he had people in Florida, apparently lived with this woman uh, who we haven't heard from yet, who is a you know not a Native, Native American. She's from the Philippines. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to know much more about this and you're right. I, you know, you see some of these ads, I mean, you can see them in the ads in the news gazette from some of these local stores with these uh, with gun sales that we have. It's really kind of striking to walk into a sporting goods store and see what amounts to an arsenal. But, uh, you know, that's where we're at right now. And I don't really know what the solution is because unless you just do complete confiscation, which is not only politically unacceptable, but unconstitutional, I don't know how you, um, deny, uh, guns to people that want to get guns anything else jr uh no you guys have a great day okay you too thank you very much and uh he evidently uh they've put on uh something that was able to uh, adapt a, a rifle into a uh, a gun that would uh, shoot multiple times right mm-hmm and do you know that the uh, the sale of those in this country have uh, gone up almost immediately I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not. You know, that I'm not a gun officer. You though, does it? Well, there's 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 no shortage of uh, demand for firearms, and every time the government uh, people in the government talk about uh, um, you know limiting, it, you see the sales spike. I mean, I think uh, President Obama did more for gun sales than any uh, president in the history of the country. In uh, doing what? Well, with announcing his various opposition uh, to. Uh, to gun ownership and promoting laws that made people think that if they didn't buy a gun now, that they might not be able to buy one later. Right now, three five six nine three nine seven 
Ensure that uh, your family is uh, taken care of and your financial goals are met after you're gone. The experienced team of financial advisors at Busey Wealth Management can help you. 64% of people don't have a will, and 55% of individuals with children don't either. Here's some must-dos in estate planning. Whether you fear the unthinkable or just putting estate planning at the bottom of your to-do list, here are some must-dos to ensure clarity and peace of mind. Don't delay. Create your plan today. Identify assets. Make your wishes known permanently. A will will help distribute property, uh, name guardians for children, outline an executor, that kind of thing. Be open and honest with loved ones, as daunting or as uncomfortable as it may be. An honest conversation about asset distribution and financial transition is essential. Adapt the plan over time, a quick review annually and a thorough review every five years. Establish a timeless legacy through a charitable fund or foundation. Consult the professionals at Busey Wealth Management. Speak with their team of experienced financial advisors at 1-800-67-BUSEY or visit Busey.com. We're at 356-9397. We're visiting with uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette. If you have any questions for him, uh, just let us know. Let's go to Eric in Urbana. Hello, Eric. Hi. Uh, regarding the uh, Vegas disaster, uh, the records, the background checks are not complete in that they obviously do not list any purchases of guns by the prospective buyer. If they had, they would have seen that this person filed our, uh, he bought 40 guns, and hell, that could have been an extremist group. It could have been even worse if they would have uh, had a group of people. So that should definitely be included in the background check. But it wasn't. Well, uh, here's the problem. Here's the. Pro- I mean, I think that's yeah. that's useful information to have. But but uh, multiple purchases of firearms is not illegal. So I know it's you're not saying illegal, it should be, but it's suspicious. Well, sure it is. But and, and he went in uh, four states to buy these. Yeah, things. yeah. No, I mean, I, I recognize your point. I'm just saying it is suspicious, but it's not illegal. And and unless until it's illegal, uh, there's not much to there's not much to act on. But you're absolutely well, right. Cl- clearly, it's suspicious. The merchandiser is the last stop before the man receives the gun, and if he had a financial incentive to report any suspicious activity, they he could have called in to the Fed, sure. and they might have went and inspected his place and found all of the damn guns, even if it's not on, on his record, which it should be. Mm-hmm. And they were off, off, also found the uh, explosives. Uh, okay, let me back you up a bit, though. You yeah, said yeah. They, they could have gone and found all his guns. Well... Uh, that would require a search warrant unless the guy gave uh, permission to search. And then to have a search warrant, you have to have probable cause that a crime is not committed. And if it's not illegal, not illegal to buy uh, multiple firearms, then what's the crime that you have probable cause to investigate? Well, I think they could have done it some way. Yeah, well, you're right. Uh, but, I mean, there are, there, are, there are real issues that we're talking about here that would have to be overcome. Yeah, uh, to but do a what you person suggest. who owns 40 guns is just mentally unstable. And if the, mer- if the uh, seller 
had uh, had some incentive to call the feds, then it might have been a different story. The same with in San Bernardino uh, when the, the couple shot up. Uh, sure, you're right. Twelve people and about twenty uh, killed about twelve and wounded about twenty people. Well, that that case is even more. Fought, that case was sure. even more egregious because the authorities had reason to suspect that there might have been some terror connections between uh-huh. those two people. Uh-huh. Of course, the terror uh, related to middle mental Middle East uh, terror is not present in the Vegas case. We got to go and uh, take a quick break here. Callers, hold on. We're coming right back. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin with uh, Jim Dye. We're taking your calls. We go to Mike in uh, Champaign. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Um, uh, have I still got you here? I'm trying to get you off the speaker. You got us. Sorry. I apologize. Uh, I had a question about an editorial that was written in the Gazette uh, a day or two after the uh, news broke about the basketball scandal. Okay. I was and on vacation last, last week, but uh, go ahead. I'm sorry? I said I was on vacation last week, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, I won't try to pin it on you then. Okay. Uh, now you can pin the it last, on The last sentence uh, uh, was one that, and I don't know if this was kind of a throwaway comment or not, but it referred to the fact that things won't really change until university presidents make a decision about um, these money sports being uh, in the, the core mission of a university. And uh, that sounds pretty radical, it is. But I wondered, uh, is there really any chance that something like uh, that could happen uh, either unilaterally or maybe as a group effort, some universities get together and decide they want to still have sports but just have um, you know student-athletes competing and instead of being a farm team for the uh, professional league. Yeah, That's you know, it. college sports are so intertwined, or sports are so intertwined with major college um, activities that I don't see how it ever really would be separated uh, in terms of what we have now. And you see what a huge business it is and also what a uh, benefit uh, successful sports programs are to universities that want to raise their public profile and draw more and better students. So Boise State is a perfect example of that. Uh, their sports program has made them one of the most prominent uh, universities in the country, and the president, Bob yeah. Custer, will, will tell you exactly why that is and, and how it's really helped the university. At the same time, you know, you've got the situation, and basically you're talking about men's basketball and men's football. There's not women's right. football, but where these are, these are businesses, and they generate millions of dollars in simple economics. People want to win. They need the best players to win. Uh, you recruit best players uh, however you, you can get it done. And, and what happens is you have this underground uh, market uh, for athletes that involves paying money. And well, the athletes, yeah. and I don't disagree with them at all, they, they think, well, if everybody else is getting rich on this, why shouldn't I get some too? Since you know, that, it's my that labor kind of that's another, generating the whole thing. Sorry. That was kind of another angle on a question I wanted to ask. And I know uh, you discussed this before uh, on the calling show here about the uh, separation between the athletic uh, department's budgets and the University of Illinois' budget uh, and dollars and so forth. Uh, is that, uh, would the, uh, and you just mentioned part of the answer, I guess. Uh, it's not just the dollars that go into the uniforms and the coaches and the facilities and all that, but it's the image of the university that attracts. Well, that too. So, but just so there's as a financial incentive for the university not to discontinue 
uh, even though they're not involved in the direct money flow. Of well, I think the presidents have, have tried to establish more accountability. I mean, this idea that uh, coaches can just say, I didn't know what was going on and, and, and skate is kind of out the window. Now they're being held responsible for uh, for knowing what's going on, and they're not allowed to claim ignorance anymore. But that's a small thing because you still have these are very tightly held conspiracies uh, involving a handful of people, and uh, it's just a hard thing to, to pin down. Need to take our final break right here and come back and try to take another call or two after that. Well, we're in the uh, final uh, minute here, uh, Jim Dye. Give me a clue on uh, what you're uh, thinking about, or you probably haven't even thought about tomorrow's editorial. Uh, well, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to write, up, what specifically I'm going to write about, but I'm going to follow up on the indictments and uh, and uh, come up with another chapter in this uh, interesting saga. Write uh, about Patino. I want to know more about Patino. Well, I, he, that's on my bucket list. I'm not sure he's going to be tomorrow, but he is. he's going to be soon. You know, and Patino was the guy who said that recruiting Brian Bowen was the luckiest thing that ever happened to him. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. He said, we didn't have to spend any money on him. Well, not directly. but <laughs> It's been great. Let's uh, do this again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the News Gazette. Thanks for all your calls and all your text messages uh, here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.